this week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. And I, I, I had like a thing come up in my throat as I was saying that last part. It was like, Rrr. <laughs> that was fun. Uh, thought a frog was going to crawl out of there. It's from this ginger beer I'm drinking. I'm drinking Bundabirg ginger beer. I'm not endorsing them. I'm just, that's my preference right now because Trader Joe's is out of their ginger beer. And that's my favorite ginger beer. So this is my, this is my backup ginger beer. Uh, this podcast is hopefully going to be sponsored in the future by some sort of ginger beer brand. <laughs> but right now, what we need to talk to or what we need to talk about is not our sponsors, but our patrons. And we have one on this show. We need to welcome back Mr. Chris Martz. Chris, how are you doing? Doing great, guys. Good to be back as always. It's been a few, uh, it's been a little bit. Last time was uh, July of last year when we talked about Skeleton Key. And then uh, before that, it was Season to Risk in 2020, Cafe Tacuba in 2018, Far in uh, 20, no, 2019, Cafe Tacuba, Cafe Tacuba. 2018 was Far, 2017 was Brainiac with a bunch of roundtables also in there. There's not a there is not a through line for your, I mean you could maybe say far and season to risk are in the same ballpark, uh, but Cafe Tacuba throws that all out when you're uh, when you're trying to analyze all of this and Skeleton Key is kind of different as well. So, as someone who appreciates both Kiss and Brainiac, uh, what did you bring to us for your pick for 2023? Uh, so. You guys have been kind of avoiding getting into the new metal stuff. And uh, I figured I'd have to like get you in there kicking and screaming almost because uh, you guys like for some reason, I mean, even when they come up in the poll, nobody picks it. So I picked Downsets 1994, 94, I think, self-titled debut yeah. record, which I don't classify it as new metal, but it's the beginning of new metal and we'll kind of get into that. So I think that's a fair assessment because I don't think new metal exists at this point. This is like just on the cusp of it happening. Yeah. I mean, it's pre the first corn record, which I kind of say is like, you can point to as the beginning of new metal. Right. But this is, you know, this is like, this is rap metal, which mm -hmm. Some people will say it's the same thing. I don't. It's not. Uh, it's not. No. So, yeah, this predates all that. And uh, this band had an inter interesting trajectory from where they could go at that point. So good to talk about that as well. How'd you discover them? Um, pretty sure it was just a blind purchase at the CD store. Looking for uh, heavy stuff that I never heard of and decided to buy it so yeah, i'm pretty sure yeah by like 95 i think i purchased this record 
Yeah, I think looking at the album cover, you're not going to guess that this is a folk record or <laughs> on the lighter end. Uh, if our folks at home might not uh, have looked at the album cover, but it has the band's name, all lowercase with a period. And then there's like a drawing of a man. There's an Amer- American flag bandana wrapped around his mouth. And then another bandana around his eyes with lies written. And then there's a helicopter above shining a light down. And uh, we, the people from the uh, Constitution is up in the what would be the sky. So there's definitely um, some imagery that they are projecting that are supposed to clue you into the type of album that this is. Jay, had you ever listened to Downset? No, had not, had never heard of them. Um, but I, but looking at the album cover, I started to take a guess at maybe what they would sound like. But I do remember, you know, in the early 90s with like Body Count, that Anthrax song, there was like Biohazard, there were some rap, rock, metal bands happening then before mm-hmm. the new metal thing happened. So I definitely remember that being a, a distinction between the two and um, some interest in like where this was going to go. Some of these bands would get played on like Headbangers Ball or some of the, you know, metal shows on MTV and whatnot. Right. It seemed like there was, you know, sort of like, I mean, I don't want to take it back all the way to Aerosmith with Run DMC doing Walk This Way, but like there was this merger of rock and rap that was like happening in little bits and pieces. You had it with, um, you know, you could say Epic by Faith No More has a rap rock feel. Obviously the Public Enemy Anthrax mashup uh, on Bring the Noise, which is how I discovered both of those bands. It was playing on MTV and I was like, you know, I was a uh, fresh, soft, no, sophomore or junior in high school when that came out. And I was just like, what is this? This is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. These people all look like nothing I've ever seen. And I immediately ran out and bought the Public Enemy record. Um, not the Anthrax album, believe it or not, at that time. Uh, and then you had like, you mentioned Biohazard, the Judgment Night soundtrack comes out a year before this. Um and it's really not until the end of the decade, like you said, with, I think, or, or middle to late end of the decade, uh, like Corn and Limp Bizkit and Kid Rock and um, some of those bands start. I, I don't know where new metal came from. It, I, I always thought at the beginning it was new N-E-W because it was like, this is the new wave of metal bands, not N-U with the umlaut. Uh but that was quickly corrected. Um, so this record came out, as mentioned, in 1994 on Mercury Records. This We're going to run into this in the comments from Patreon. This band predates Rage Against the Machine. They were actually a band called Social Justice that formed in like 89. And they were a hardcore punk band. They released an album in 89. And then um, different lineup for the uh, EP that they put out in 92. The main person, or, or not person, but the, the Roy uh, Lozano, I believe is his name, is the um, lead singer and the 
I guess the not Ray Lozano, Ray Oropesa is the lead singer. He's been there the entire time. Other people have been in and out of the band um, for different reasons. But they changed their name um, in 92 to Downset and made a demo in 1993 called Our Suffocation. This ended up getting them a deal with Mercury Records and they put out uh, their debut self-titled in 94. Uh, they ended up putting out their second record, um, Do We Speak a Dead Language, in 96, also on Mercury Records. Then they left Mercury, signed Epitat, and put out Check Your People in the year 2000. Now, what's interesting is uh, Do We Speak a Dead Language actually charted, made it to number 44 on the U.S. Heat Seeker chart, and it charted in... Um, Australia, Germany, and the UK. And then um, Check Your People made it to number 44 as well on the US Heat Seeker chart. Uh, they were only on Epitaph for that one record. One record. Then they were on um, Hawino Records for 2004's Universal. They self-released their 2014 album, One Blood. And then last year, they put out Maintain on Nuclear Blast, which seems to collect bands. Uh, there are a billion bands on Nuclear Blast that we end up talking about uh, over over uh, or when we put out the um, newsletter each week. There's always like, you know, uh, a band from that label because it seems like they have a ton of uh, artists, both from the past and, and in the of present um, artists. So. In addition to all that, there's been a number of EPs and, and there's been like um, a live EP and some other stuff, rarities, releases, that sort of thing. Uh, but the current lineup is, as mentioned, Ray Oropesa on vocals, um, Rogelio, Rogelio Lozano on guitar. And he's been the guitarist for most of it. I think he's been like in and out. Of, he was out of the band from like 94 to 98 or 99. Um, Philip Gonzalez on bass, that's only been in the last couple of years, and Bobby Blood on drums. Um, he's he was in some other bands. He was in a band called Marauder, and uh, yeah, Marauder from uh, from New York. Yes, New York hardcore yeah. hardcore band. Yeah, singer from that started El Nino, but then he he left. So yeah, El Nino. Spanish yeah. for the Nino. So there's, uh, I didn't realize that uh, Downset and Marauder like had some intertwining stuff there. There you go. So as mentioned, this was uh, put out in July of 1994. Is produced by Roy Z, who is an American uh, guitarist, songwriter, record producer. He's worked with a lot of metal bands like um, Halford, Judas Priest. Uh, he's worked on Bruce Dickinson's solo work. Yeah, he has quite a lot of uh, credits. And he's, he's a guitar player that who's also played with bands as well. Wasp and other <laughs> bands that I don't, I don't recognize the names. I'm sure that they're like, I don't know who Steel Prophet is. It sounds like a band I should know who they are, Steel Prophet. But uh, I do not. They're a power metal band. 
there are so many power metal bands that just like randomly exist now that I have no idea like they ever existed. <laughs> and, and then they come up on new releases. And it's like, this is our 15th album. I'm like, what? Who is this band? <laughs> yeah, I mean, my cousin, he was in a power metal band for a long time, a, a pretty well-known one. And it was like, wait, they have this many releases? This is ridiculous. So, it's crazy. And, and then they played as a, a power metal festival here in Atlanta every year called Prague Power. And they played it one year. I was like, who are these bands? I've never even heard of them. And it's like, how many records they all have? What's, what's amazing to me, just to get off t- topic here for a second, is when we're in a power metal band and then somebody get re- gets replaced, they have to learn all that stuff. And oh, yeah. that's hard. There is so, a- like, my cousin, he he was in and out of the, that band, like, multiple times. So I can only imagine, like, <laughs> new drummer has to come in and learn those the songs again. And then, like, yep. my cousin has to learn the stuff that uh, he didn't play on. So, like, I, I, I'm playing in a cover band now, and like, we do like a Radiohead song, like an easy one. And I'm like, ah, I don't know if I can get this right. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't imagine playing like a seven minute long power metal song with, you know, insane speed and chain, multiple changes, and just playing that fast. I, uh, my brain would explode. Speaking of those comments, uh, we, you know, at Patreon. Uh, a lot of people brought up Rage Against the Machine when talking about this band. Matt Stop said it's that magical time between Rage breaking through and the new metal movement. Solid early record, but Check Your People is their crown jewel. Ian McIver said, while I don't mind bands like Rage Against the Machine, Henry Rollins and his various projects, etc., I found I wasn't able to enjoy this as much. Maybe it's related to the age phenomenon Tim and Jay mentioned on recent DMO 2000s. Well, it's not a bad album. There's something missing I can't quite put my finger on. Maybe the episode will shed some light. Not a worthy album, but not a decent single either. So a better EP rating from me. Hey, from Ian, that's pretty solid. <laughs> um, Eric Peterson said, as I recall, there was a lot of talk of these guys. There was a lot of talk. These guys influenced Rage Against the Machine. The band formed a couple years before Rage Against the Machine, but never got the attention of Rage Against the Machine. I had the album Once Upon a Time. The song Anger was a killer track, and I recall liking the rest of the album. Vadim Tabor said, saw these guys for the first time play a side stage at OzFest 97. I wandered over because I heard the band covering Inside Out's Burning Fight or No Spiritual Surrender. Pretty fitting since Zach surely influenced their sound. Okay. Uh, And then James Stelter said, anger, hostility toward the opposition. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, there's a poll. We'll share the results of where the album better EP decent single from our Patreon community at the end of this episode. But uh, Jay, let's get into it. Let's talk about the debut album self-titled from 1994 by Downset. Tell me one thing you liked about this record. It's honest and focused. It's It knows what it wants to be and it just focuses on delivering that. So it does it two ways. Uh, which I think are, you know, effective and smart. One is the production and overall presentation of the music. So super punchy, dry production, not a ton of reverb or anything fancy going on here. Um, Just, you know, good amp tones, pretty good drum tones. Um, Not overly compressed, even though guitar wise, we were talking about, you know, all 
tuned down, drop D riffs. Um, it's distorted, but it's not like some other bands, I think, that would come later that would be like super triple rectifier guitar amp over the top, like tone. This is pretty, pretty honest, straightforward tone. Um, and then they focus a lot musically on obviously getting in the pocket. So the kick drum, the bass, and those riffs are all just setting up like how to deliver the, you know, the rap style vocal within that. Um, and for the most part, they're always, you know, together, which I think gives it a lot of energy and obviously like an intensity. Uh, I think riff wise, it's in the vein of like kind of a helmet at times, maybe even Pantera. Those are the two bands I was thinking of. I was also thinking a little bit of like the early Danzig records, both from a production standpoint and even like some of the like minor riffs that are on this record too. So that that's like musically what I'm hearing that's working. And then I think the, the reason I think they decided to go that route is because I think the lyrics on this record are kind of the, the point. Um, so they, you know, they tackle a bunch of significant issues, police violence, objectification of women, class struggles, superficial music industry, racial solidarity, America's history of racism, systematic oppression, violence, like, it's kind of interesting because you would think with this many social issues on a record that came out, uh, what, 30, over 30 years ago at this point? 29. That they would, they would feel pretty dated. You know, put yourself in, a, in let's say, 1994, and you're, you're listening to a record that came out 30 years prior, and it was mostly you know lyrics that were socially focused it, it would have felt very relevant but i think what's interesting is mm, these don't none of these topics feel like relevant they feel just as relevant now as they did in 94 like in some ways we've made no progress or gone backwards i think you can make the case in some of these things they're bringing out but so i think that ended up working and i, I you know if i was predicting in 94 you were going to write a record that, that you know that was this socially driven lyrically that it wouldn't hold up and it's kind of surprising that it that it does like, like these things they're talking about are like oh yeah they could be this could have happened yesterday you know what they're talking about Submission into that corner of constant fear. Humanity reduced to a sexual commodity. Objectification, pretty faces, molded imagery. Damn, they dropped the dirty Mac demands. She's more than booty to me. Bypass her sexuality. Tradition, your sexism, what you want me to learn. Surrender gender, hate defeated to kill the compassion returns. One out of three, and they say my sisters are free. Incarcerated by hatred, propagating misogyny. Continual ritual, victimizing my sister. Physical rape is psychological so I, I think it's really smart in terms of like they know what they want to do and they really constructed everything around it to be focused on that and it doesn't do anything. There's no left turns. There's no diverting from that. It's 
kind of like a sledgehammer, you know, just delivers what it is, um, which I respect. So that's, that's what worked for me. What worked for you, Tim? Well, you mentioned the lyrics and I, I mentioned earlier about discovering, uh, you know, public enemy via the, the bring the noise video. And that was a, a major eye-opening experience when I was, you know, 15 or whatever, and seeing that video and then really listening to the lyrics and then listening to public enemy and understanding what they were talking about. So hearing this, um, was just as I say, you mentioned about it being relevant. I, I completely agree, but it was just as like, um, a watershed moment where I was, you know, he's, uh, Ray Orpeza is a very, it's, it's strange to say this because he's a good storyteller. Like he, he can really put together some really strong, um, uh, narratives on the record. Um, and I didn't, you know, so the first song anger is kind of tackling a number of different things. One is that his father was killed by the Los Angeles police department when he was very young. Um, he's also, you know, melding that with the, uh, Rodney King slash LA riots that happened, uh, I think just two years prior to this. Uh, was it 92? Was that 92 when that happened? I, I don't remember the exact year, but that's what that April 20, is it April 25th, Florence and Normandy? Like that's the, that's from the riots, that, that line that he repeats. Um, and I, I just appreciate how blunt this record is. I mean, he's just yelling anger over and over again. And it's like, how can you not have like a visceral reaction to that like it's so raw you hear how how passionate he is with the vocal either going to connect with you or you're just going to you're going to plug your ears because it is super aggressive i do appreciate that for a band that's this heavy and is talking about this that i can actually understand all of the lyrics because there are times when i listen to heavy music and it's when you know you get like the really the cookie monster vocal or something like that where i'm like this is really cool music but i have no idea what you're saying it just sounds like you're gargling or something. Whereas, and I, you know, this is the, the rap end of it. His ability to fashion flows within this, you know, that are 
much more on the rap hip hop end of things makes this a really interesting record. Um, so that's what worked for me, Chris, you were the one that brought this record to us. What works for you? Um, I mean, this record is like Los Angeles. That's the first thing I think of when I, when I turn this on, if they were from, you know, like, dc or something they wouldn't be taught you know singing about this kind of stuff and it's like so when it came out you have to think about what was going on around that time and i think that i'm not sure if you guys saw the the oj made in america documentary on espn a few years mm -hmm. ago so all of that stuff was going on around this time period which is and um you know like this I, I remember hearing this and like and listening to anger and I had no idea what he was talking about. And so then I watched OJ made in America and it's like, Oh, he's talking about Latasha Harlins who got killed mm -hmm. and it's putting two and two together there. But yeah, I, re I really agree with Jay is like this album, it knows what it wants to do and that's what they're going for. Uh, it's very honest. You know, they're, they're not, they're not messing around. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're you're 100% on with this being an LA uh sound. Like this 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 subject matter and even this band like I it, there's something about it that screams like West Coast and I don't know if that's, you know, I'm sure that they came up in the punk scene and the hardcore scene in the early 80s, which was pretty the Los Angeles hardcore punk scene was pretty legendary with all the bands that were happening, like the germs and, and whatnot. So Jay, um, let me ask you about, you mentioned about the, the music and the one thing that I struggle with is as much as I love like the heaviness um, every once in a while, I was thinking like, Oh, I would love, some sort of lead or or solo or something like that. I don't need like Tom Morello theatrics throughout the record, but just like some sort of counter melody here and there. Uh, did that did that ever come up with you when you're listening? Yeah, I think the that that's uh, is essentially what the one thing that didn't work for me. It, it it's one dimensional. You know, it is a sledgehammer, and it's only a sledgehammer. There's it's not even a hammer that has a little claw on the back and you can take nails out with it. <laughs> it's, <laughs> you know, it's one thing. So once you hear it, uh, I think you either can, you either relate emotionally to it, right. And you get it and you experience it that way. Um, and if you don't fully like identify that way, it's more of like, I think a narrative, like you said, so you're, at least for me, I'm at a, a little bit of a, you know, taking in the lyrics, listening to the story that he's telling, musically getting like, okay, this is sim somewhat simple on purpose, not not introducing layers, not introducing kind of melodies because they don't want, I'm guessing, get in the way of the message and the intensity of the delivery. But I'm still uh, uh, kind of left with... Um, after a couple of listens, like wanting more, like either 
if the focus is the lyric, then like frame it in a way I had never thought about it before. I think there's some like historical references there that make you want to dig into this stories a little deeper and really understand what he's talking about. But like, for the most part, like once you get it, you're like, okay, yeah, I get it. I agree with you. You know, there's, there's anger there, but there's not like a, what do we do about it or a new way to think about it? You know, it's just sort of like, I'm angry about this thing. So I think that that would be one way to take it would be like, okay, lyrically, can we twist it a little bit or help people see it a different way or to have like layers to this, the more you listen to it, the more you understand it. The other way would be, I think, where you're going musically is like throwing a left turn here and there. Like I'm thinking of Raging Against the Machine, one of the things that they had that helped them, I think, distinguish themselves, even though the format was somewhat similar to this, is Tom Morello's guitar playing. Like he just did crazy stuff on guitar, you know, and you could have a break where he would just go off and do a crazy solo or a weird part or whatever and you could just have that diversion a little bit of different flavor and then come back to the anger and sort of the intensity so you know this band could go that direction yeah they could have like some more experimental sections there could be just something here musically that is unexpected i think is what i'm looking for um, there's a moment in American, my American prayer in the middle, which I think is a good example where they bring in these clean guitars in and there's this like building melodic guitar lead. And then boom, they hit you over the head with the big chorus, like, you know, in, in the intensity. And I think that's a good example of like, Ooh, I wish this record did that a little bit more, like draw me in with some different sounds, a little bit more cinematic. So I can really picture that you know, mm-hmm. the scene they're talking about you know, push the instruments a little bit. And then, yeah, when the, you know, you go back in to the breakneck intensity, I really appreciate it. Um, so I, I could hear, you know, another dimension, either musically or even lyrically that it would, to me, help this record be more than one, like one punch to the face, which I think is what it is right now. that guitar part towards the end it doesn't sound like they're just playing a drop d riff like because it's i think it's probably more like middle of the neck or something like that mm-hmm. like it is it does have like a pantera-esque groove to it which there's there's some groove on the bass um on some of these songs uh but not in the way that like dimebag daryl had that like texas kind of 
blues metal thing happening, um, which was very specific to his playing. Uh, But I, I mean, I do like the, you know, I'm a fan of helmet. I'm a fan of bands that like go to drop D and just riff. Um, As long as you're not playing like sort of what we call stock riffs um, then, and you're coming up with stuff that's interesting and, uh, you know, doesn't get driven into the ground. That works for me. I like if as a younger man, had I been listening to this, I probably would have taken this to the gym. This is perfect music to get like pissed (laughs) off at and want to lift weights. (laughs) Uh, Now that I'm older and I can no longer lift weights. uh, But there's there's some really good bands now that like are putting out awesome workout music that's so shout out to incendiary and harm's way who have like are my workout jams so awesome there you go i guess like back in 94 but how are you gonna listen to this at the gym like in 94 do you have your walkman there with your i had a disc man (laughs) i would take i had a disc man uh in in 94 and i would take my my sony disc turn on the anti-skip i know well, I said lifting weights. So you just put it down next to you on the, at the machine gotcha. and you do your, you know, your chest um, right. thingies where you go in and out or you wouldn't your, have it on your belt, your arms. Yeah. No, I'm not rocking the belt walk, man, like with a cassette. That would have been easier, but I think that's gone by that point. That would look much cooler. Right. Well, it's yellow. So it would match my, <laughs> you know, my, my tight shorts. And I'm picturing Tim in his uh, Buffalo Bill Zubas. <laughs> a weightlifting belt, a yellow Walkman on the on the belt, and, and a Ed, Ed Hardy T-shirt, <laughs> or an, no, it'd be an Affliction shirt. That's oh, it, there you go. Yeah, that'd be the proper with the with the sleeves cut off. Um, yeah. So we were, I guess, we were talking kind of mixed in what didn't work and what did work. Is there anything yeah. that doesn't work for you on this record, Chris? Um. Yeah. I mean. Same like it's kind of one dimensional, but hey, that's that's what I expect. Plus, it's their debut album, so right. I'm not expecting like some sort of a, a masterpiece right out of the gate. So, but, I mean, no, but I- it's like they did like they. My whole thing with this record, though, and, and their sound back then is like they were one of those bands that's just like were in between scenes, and so like who. I was just looking up like who they toured with and when they're supporting this record, it's like, you know, they threw them on tour with Testament like that. That doesn't work, you know, but who were they supposed to tour with back then? And what's interesting, you know, thinking about it in terms of what you're saying, where it came out, like I can in like dying of thirst, the last song, that riff, that guitar riff, if you change the rhythm a little bit and add a piccolo snare, it becomes a 311 song. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> I'm Which just one? dying of thirst. The the main riff at the beginning of the yeah, yeah. You know, I because you know, I mean, that's the, like the next generation that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that's good or bad, but I'm just saying like there is that funk element to this too, which comes from the, um, I think the rap end of it where you are pushing the rhythm to not be bop 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 like, like with like a hardcore song uh because that's a lot harder to rap over 
to just have this repetitive snare happening, you know, like a, like a machine gun. Whereas because there's like a groove to some of this, uh, not as groovy as, like I said, you know, the grooviest band of all time, 311, but this, this does have like uh, a, a nice groove to some of the songs. Um, some of the stuff I liked the parts of like prostitutionalized. I like that song, but I don't think this band works totally as well slow in that, that halftime feel as they do when they're just like mm-hmm. blasting away. Like I, like anger to me is like the, the, the perfect vibe for this band. Um, well, it's kind of, so like after the next record, do we speak a dead language came came out? Like I never, I never got to see Downset. I remember they played Atlanta. And so that the tour was Downset, Earth Crisis, Vision of Disorder before they had gone like, way more towards the new metal like in the early 2000s that i think they're they're either on imprint or they're self-titled but and then the first band was damnation ad which is like uh why were these bands touring with downset but you know who else were they supposed to put on the tour but then you look at now like downset will play the this is hardcore festival in philadelphia that's just where they are you know i mean Hmm. and you know People go crazy when they play anger. So I can get, I mean, it's kind of an anthem. Yeah. You know, in it, in its way, it's not, it's not as blatant as say, um, you know, something by rage against the machine, like, especially on the first record, like freedom is a very anthemic song or killing in the name of, you know, I, and I think that's probably the difference in terms of maybe, overall popular success is that rage were conscious of finding a hook that was pretty big um probably i I don't know tom morello seems like a pretty smart songwriter (laughs) so i'm I'm sure say like that might be the difference when you have someone like tom morello who can yeah um because i just heard uh bulls on parade on the radio was like on the local metal channel and i was like i remember not liking that record when it came out the second one but now i'm like yeah these were good songs like these were these were pretty solid because they didn't live up to exactly what was on the first record which was so it seemed like such a shot out of nowhere um so is there anything uh else jay that uh, you want to cover as far as what didn't work or what did work? No, I mean, I think we covered, covered all the notes I had. Okay. Well, this did, um, as I mentioned, uh, did not chart in comparison to the next two records, which both made it to number 44 on the Heat Seekers chart. I wonder if, was this a band that would have been on like Headbangers Ball at this point? For sure, yeah. I mean, I didn't see them, but they were very much like starting to at this point, especially once alternative started. Well, even before that, they were dabbling in like anything heavy because Ricky Rackman was doing a lot, was hosting all of those at this point. And 
I think would have been into this kind of stuff. And because I don't remember, I, it, it's it's hard it's hard to say. Like I the, it's, I want to say like no, I don't. I mean, I don't remember seeing on a headbangers ball, but then like one one video I distinctly remember them playing on headbangers ball and. He even prefaced it by saying, like, this isn't really stuff that we play on here, but, you know, it's a friend of mine, and I want to give his band some exposure, was they actually played No Rain by Blind Melon one night. And I was, you know, it's like, they're, if they're going to play that, they can, you know, they'll play anything almost. You know, we we mentioned Biohazard a couple times, which I, it's strange, like, that band was, exi like, existed throughout the 90s, and we have barely talked about them. Uh, more like in jest than anything. They're, they're yeah. back though, man. Original lineup reunion. They're playing right now. So, and yeah. I mean, I remember listening to at least one or two of those records. Um, but they weren't. They didn't start out as a as a rap metal band or a rap core band. That that first record that they made was just straight up punk. It was a heart was a hardcore um, album, and um, it wasn't until '92. So two years before this, when they put out Urban Discipline, did they actually move into that like rap metal, thrash metal um, space? And uh, yeah, we ha we'll have to talk about, I mean, see, I, I guess they would be in the same boat. They are not new metal, but they would be like an influence upon new metal. Mm -hmm. We'll have to cover that on our new, new metal roundtable uh, whenever we get to that as we keep threatening. Been waiting for it for <laughs> years now. I mean, <laughs> we keep teasing and teasing. Yeah, I know. I figured that's that's why one of the reasons I brought this to you is like I could have pulled some you know obscure new metal record from the mid from the late nineties and given it to you guys. So I'm like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. Saying about what is this? Like, where did this come from? It's like you got to start from the beginning almost. Yeah. Well, we're not at the beginning anymore. We're at the end, which means we need to give our final scores from uh, for this record um, from the Patreon community. We will share their final scores at the just at, in a moment. But were the album better EP or decent single? Jay, what do you got? I've got to come in at an EP. Um, I feel like I get the point with you know the core of the record for me. I prefer uh, Ritual, Take Them Out, Prostitutionalized, and My American Prayer because they just have a little bit of extra something, I think, in those songs. Um, and yeah, I just think with those four songs, like I get the band, like I get the energy, I get. I appreciate what they're doing. I think the rest of the record at that point to me becomes redundant. Um, I sort of got the point. I can, you know, uh, either invest more or move on to the next thing. So I'm at an EP. Where are you at, Tim? I think I'm at a worthy album. And I'll tell you why. I really just liked having this on repeat while I was like sitting at my desk. Because it's such like, I was just like bang my head a little bit as I'm like typing, sending emails to coworkers and things. Like I enjoyed the energy of this record, even when I wasn't like, you know, paying super attention, analyzing lyrics, that kind of thing. It worked for me in the background. 
it, however, did not work for the rest of the family because I got, I got a, what the hell are you listening to? Uh, and I had to turn it down at one point. I think it was during ritual. Was there an, <laughs> that, that was, was there uh intervention? Tim, do we need to talk? Yeah. What's therapy been going? Is, is this, are you, re, are you uh, regressing to an angry teenager? Come on. It couldn't have been as that as, as like stark for them as when you did Atari teenage, right? I'm sure that would have like <laughs> drove them away even more. Um, the, I'm trying to think of the ones where the, you know what actually does worse is shoegaze that oh, is really? just so much like noise like i can't play that stuff huh. um katie also hates uh morphine which i don't know why but because of yeah. mark sandman's voice i guess yeah yeah and the but she's like don't play that in the house it's a very <laughs> very strange um one to single out so i'm at an album jay you're at an ep Chris, what do you say? Oh, man, like I can't you, you threw me off there and I can't believe I'm going to do this, but I'm just going to say probably EP. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I was like, dude, Tim said album. Like now I feel kind of pressured, but no, 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 no. To be honest. But the whole thing about Jason, like, dude, you won't even put anger on there. Come on, an EP. Come on, man. Anger. <laughs> But uh, no, I think it's a really good introduction to the band. It might be just a little lengthy. Like if this was what they debuted with and just had like a five or six song EP and then led into the next record, I think that would have been good. But interesting. Yeah, like 94, and I'm sure that Mercury was like, oh, look at Rage Against the Machine, what they're doing. So we're going to mm-hmm. put out an album and... And hopefully you guys will hit like they did. Yeah, I guarantee that's what happens. All of a yeah. sudden, the the A&R guys got a, a notification. Uh, start looking for bands that are heavy, have a rap, uh, you know, delivery and uh, socially conscious lyrics. Yeah. Because they all thought they were going to cash in. I'm sure that there's 20 more bands that got signed and we don't even know about or, or you know, never actually even put out a record, but. Yeah, that's how that ha- it happens in waves. Whatever's popular at the moment, they just start snatching mm-hmm. up anything that's close. Um, well, interestingly, our Patreon community went with Worthy Album at number one, 40, but 43%. So it was not the majority. Better EP and Decent Single were split at 29%, which means there was a 101% vote in this particular poll. <sighs> Anyway, so that's a pretty split. I mean, we've never, I don't think we've ever had a perfect three-way tie, but that's pretty close to a three-way tie. Right. For, um, if we had like maybe two more votes for better EP and decent single, it would have been, it would have been a tie at 33.3 repeating percent. So the community liked it better than you, Chris, who suggested it. So <laughs> that might be a that might be a first in the history of this show. Oh, what is come. going on? <laughs> I was thinking about the people, you know. They, they'll like th- this record probably more than me. So there you go. Yeah. You you took one for the team. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Well, thank you for bringing this to us. Uh, Jay and I were not familiar with this band or album, so this was a. Uh, a nice addition to our cabinet of 
musical curiosities. Um, so yeah, do you have any, do you have stuff in mind uh, that you were going to suggest for this one, but might have, you know, backed off and chosen this one? Uh, well, I see it's tough now because you've got two podcasts that I listen to regularly. Shout out to where it went podcast that covers revelation records in order the whole discography. And then meet me pod which covers the roadrunner records discography just in random order so it's like you know like they have guests from the bands or someone involved with each release on so it's like all right i could choose something from roadrunner or revelation but somebody's going to cover it in way more detail so it kind of limits everything and but i'm also i've always been enamored by like uh the the major label releases like this where why did this band get signed and nobody mm -hmm. found them? They want to bring this forward. But yeah, you know, I, I, it was a little difficult this time trying to find something that I could think of. But like I said, wanted to get you guys started down the path of new metal. So. <laughs> Maybe 2024 is the year that uh, Dig Me I Out mean, goes if new. I, if I bring you guys the Snot album, don't, don't be surprised, you know, so... Oh, I don't even know what that is, but now I'm worried. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not embarrassed by my new metal path, guys. Just so you know, so I, I will freely talk about it for for days. Um, you know, there <laughs> might be some surprise revelations during our new metal roundtable whenever it happens. We're a shame-free zone, man. Yeah, it's just music. Whatever you're into. Right. This not record was actually a. Uh... I know it was uh, re re recommended in the uh, poll at least yeah. once. Yeah, I think it got to the poll once, but it didn't win. So. You're not thinking of Spot, Jay? No, I, re I recognize the album cover with the dog, the one with the dog on the cover with the mm -hmm. ball on the, the dog side. with the, the lemon on its nose. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yes, that one. <laughs> uh, well, we need to As, thank uh, our patrons. What, Jay? That album has 15 tracks on it. Oh. Well, there's a lot of like, there's like four or five interludes on there. So. Okay. It's, they're not all like five minute long, 15, 15 uh, five minute long songs. Got it. Well, I want to say, I do appreciate that this album was only like 35 minutes. Uh, that's a good runtime for a record this of this uh, type. So if this had been a 60 minute album, I probably would not have been as generous with my review. <laughs> Well, I, mean, I told my brother so many times over the years, I, you know, I try St. Anger, but I get like seven songs in and I'm like, I still have like 30 more minutes of this crap. This come on. There's <laughs> <laughs> a point where some records are just like, I can't do it anymore. You know? So. Yep. Yep. I understand. Basically every uh, Smashing Pumpkin album in the last 20 years. Uh <laughs> Uh, we need to come on and fight you about that. <laughs> okay. Uh, we haven't done a Smashing Pumpkins album yet either on this uh, particular podcast, which uh, seems like we should probably talk about that band in some way. They were relevant to that decade, but I guess we'll have to figure it out. Our, our in on that one. Um, if you'd like to be a part of the Patreon community that votes on albums like this or votes, votes in our monthly 
tournaments where albums are suggested through our website. You can do so by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. As I mentioned, you can go to our website, digmeoutpodcast.com and suggest albums. Put in the name of the album, the name of the artist, drop us a little note, and we will put it in our hopper for a future tournament where a number of albums enter and only one gets chosen by our patron community to be reviewed. It's also uh, where you can go to sign up for the Box Newsletter, which you can read by being a patron. Uh, the Box Newsletter comes out every weekend with new releases of 80s, 90s, and aughts relevant music, movies, books, TV shows, etc., plus two one-minute reviews. Uh, sometimes it's a guest, sometimes it's me. Uh, recently, I tried to just review a song. So there was two singles that were out by bands, and I found that that was interesting because when you have a whole album to talk about <laughs> in a review there's a lot more material to cover than just uh talking about each instrument by itself separately <laughs> trying to uh, make sure you have enough content so i don't know that i'm ever going to do that again because that was a little bit of extra work i was not anticipating uh but that's neither here nor there you should check out the box newsletter by joining us uh or signing up at digmeoutpodcast.com and finally Apple Podcasts is where you go to leave some positive feedback for the show. For Jay and Tim, we're out, and we'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. I've got